Could you elaborate more on what a hosting program is? Hosting is a blessing because you really get to... Okay, welcome to today's podcast. Very excited about our special guest, Misty Lucas with Madison Adoptions. Misty is the executive director of the Madison, Illinois office, and she also oversees all of Latin America, the program for Madison Adoptions. I also want to say that Misty, you've heard in our podcast in prior episodes, all the miracles that have transpired as a result of the work that we're doing in Colombia. Misty is the individual that made that possible for us and was really the one that introduced us to the right people in Colombia and has been with us on these trips the whole time. So Misty, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I could be here. So we have a real, truly a, an expert in many, many different ways, an expert in relation to adoption. Misty is Andrea and I's contact and go-to person for our adoption that we're working on right now. She is an expert in relation to uh, hosting programs as well. One, because she has been running uh, or working as the executive director for Madison Adoptions, and two, because she actually has personal experience hosting a child and adopting through hosting. So we're excited to be able to hear Misty's story today. Let's start in the beginning. So Misty, how did you get connected in the adoption space? What was it that drew you to wanting to work for an adoption agency? So my husband um, was changing careers um, and we were moving. And, you know, sometimes in life, you just know it's time for a change, right? Like for years, I had done counseling. I've been a supervisor in counseling agencies, um, you know, specialized with younger kids, specialized in families, worked with adoptive families. But I just knew it was time for a change. And when it came time to apply for jobs, I only applied for one job, and that was with Madison Adoption Associates. And my husband would get very frustrated as he's the financial guru in our family, you know, because he was like, you have to have a job, like we're making this huge jump, you know, and I was like, I know, but that's the job I want. And, um, you know, when I came for the interview, there were other people being interviewed. And when I left, he was like, how's it, how'd it go? And I was like, well, I don't know, but you know, we'll see. And he's like, so you're going to apply for more jobs. And I was like, no, that's the job I want. Like, that's what I want. So we, you know, just waited. And when I got the call and said, you know, here's the job and it was in adoptions and it was for Madison Adoption Associates. I was so excited. Madison is a small adoption organization. They're very family oriented. They're very ethical. Um, and so I was ecstatic because it's a good environment. It's a, you know, I have a team around me. We have team members throughout the country. We just aren't in Illinois. We're not just in Delaware. We're throughout the country. Um, and I enjoy that. I enjoy getting to engage with the families and with my coworkers. And it's been amazing. It's been, it's been a blessing. You know, I, I knew I wanted to change, but I didn't realize what was missing in my life until I actually experienced it. That's wonderful. And so uh, Andrea and I have been blessed to adopt three different times. So we're on our third rodeo and this is our first engagement with Madison. And I would say that 100% they are extremely professional, very thorough, 
do an incredible job making sure that the families are prepared and that the children that they're going to be adopting or the child that they're going to be adopting is the right fit for them. So we're very appreciative of the work that you've been doing. Thank you. So Misty, when we were down in uh, in Columbia this last trip, we had the opportunity to spend a couple of days at the Institute where there's a lot of children that are typical children, and these are older children. And I remember as we got to know these kids, my heart just was so heavy and full towards these children that I wanted to help them in so many different ways, more importantly, to get them adopted. But honestly, it seemed like a little bit of an insurmountable task. As people probably are aware, trying to get a child that is older in age, and when I say older, I would say older than eight years old, it's pretty difficult to get those children adopted. And as we were brainstorming as a team, Misty brought up this idea of possibly doing a hosting program that allows these children to come and be hosted by families. Could you elaborate more on what a hosting program is? I sure can. So hosting um, with Columbia is children who are over the age of typically 12, unless they're a sibling group. And, you know, children by that time have already developed their personalities. Um, they've already developed their taste buds. So it's not like um, engaging or adopting a younger child who you get to teach those things to, and you get to, um, you know, help them figure out when they're angry, how they're going to respond. So it's a little bit different. And so these kids are harder to, um, to place in a family. They're harder to get families interested in because they already have those things. The joy of that is though, when families bring kids in for hosting is you get to blend with the child without any pressure, without any, um, without any kind of expectation. You just get to know that child. You just get to mesh with each other and find that natural connection um, and not have that expectation of, you have to like the same food I like, or you yeah. have to be interested in the things I'm interested in, those kind of things. So um, it's, it's hosting is a blessing because you really get to experience the child. Um, I will say, Typically, those children are on their best behavior um, because they're here to have experiences. That's what they're told. They're going on a vacation program. They're going to go have some experiences. And they also know they're within a family dynamic, so they want to make people happy. So they're usually on their best behaviors. But sometimes there are things that can trigger them. So you also get to learn about some of those kind of um, issues within the child that could come up in the future as well if you chose to adopt that child. You sort of get to learn, like, what makes them shut down? What sets them off being angry? Um, you know, what are just their definite no's? Um, so you get to learn those kind of things in hosting. And for me, it's exciting. It's exciting to get to see that part of the child because that's the part that no one can really describe to you. That's the part that like, even if I've met the child, I can say to you, oh, you know, he has trouble controlling his anger, but you don't really know what that looks like until yeah. you meet the child. Um, if I say she's going to shut down, well, what does that look like? Does that mean she's going to slam the door, cry until she goes to sleep? Does that mean she's going to sit on the couch with her arms crossed for five hours? Like, you know, mm -hmm. what does that look like? Yeah. Um, and we know teenagers, we know preteens. They're going to do those things. Yeah, Those are just the things we can expect mm -hmm. out of them. But it's scary when it's a child you've never met before. Yeah. So that's what right. I enjoy about hosting. So a question that I have that uh, I'm sure many of our listeners have is, number one, how long do we typically have these children in our homes? And number two, 
how in the world does the language barrier work? If, if one parent or sibling doesn't speak Spanish, this child's not coming speaking English. So maybe right. you could elaborate on those two questions. Sure, sure. So kiddos are usually here between two and a half to three weeks. Um, and, you know, we meet them at the airport, we greet them, we send them a letter inviting them to our home so that they know we're excited. Um, and, and we get to engage with them before they ever come as well. A family will tip a host family typically will have one or two Skypes with the child so that the child can ask questions. The family can ask questions about favorite foods or whatever um, to see the environment they're going to be in, those kind of things. Um, And then they come for that two and a half to three weeks. Many of us do not speak Spanish. And it's very helpful if you can learn just even some basic words like bathroom or hungry. Um, (laughs) But if you can't, We always have Google Translate. That's one of the nice things with older kids. They can read, they can speak into the Google Translate. If you have a very young child, they struggle more with that. So with the older kids, you're still able to use Google Translate or um, there's another app a lot of families really like called Say Hi. Um, And it, the Say Hi tends to pick up more on like expression of emotion um, and putting it in the right context if a word's being used. Um, so, you know, there's some things like that, that we can use to help us along. The other, um, asset we have in our hosting programs is we have chaperones who come along with the Madison hosting that also visit with the families and the children. They come from Colombia, but they speak English and Spanish. So they're able to help in that communication is if there's a misunderstanding. Um, I can think of a situation one time where one of the girls being hosted, had an expectation that her host family was going to buy her some clothing and was going to take her shopping, but they had already bought clothing for her and had it at the house for her to pick out. And so the chaperone was able to come in and help communicate that and settle it so it didn't become an issue. Um, So there's some assets that we have along with hosting that families get to experience. With the chaperone, does the chaperone stay with the child or does the chaperone stay separate from the child? Give us some idea around that. Yeah, so the chaperone will come and spend about two two evenings, two nights um, at the family home. And then it's about three days with the family. Um, and they, you know, sort of assess how the bonding is going. Um, if there's any suggestions they can make to think to help things go smoother for everyone. Um, if the child, for whatever reason, does tend to have an attitude or isn't getting along with people, they can address that too. Um, And then they're always available to the family as well. When they're off visiting other families, they're still available to that family. The chaperones are assigned about seven kids a piece. So they're not overwhelmed to where they don't have time for you, but they also are always with you. Yeah, and so that leads us to another question that Madison currently is preparing and finding, seeking out families for the summer 2023 hosting program. Could you tell us more about where these fam- or where, what states these families that you're looking for should be located? And then tell us a little more about the program that's coming up this summer. Sure. So we, this summer, are planning on having families in the state of Illinois, families in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and then families in Utah. And what that will look like is we hope to have the families um, close enough that they can get together every weekend or once a week and be able to do activities together, whether that's a picnic, a swimming party, um, but to be able to help the kids keep their sense of community as well, because we do want them to feel connected while they're here. 
And then, um, but at the same time, families get to live life with those kids. Um, they get to do the daily routine with the kids. They get to take them to special dinners. They get to maybe celebrate a birthday. Like they get to let them see what life is like here in the United States. Um, but it's a, it's an exciting time. And we have the three different areas that we're focusing on. And our goal is to, to have employees there, adoption specialists as well, who will assist with the chaperone transportation kind of thing, but also will assist the families as they need it. Um, because we want the families to also have somebody as well as the children having the chaperones. Yeah, that's wonderful. So I'm way excited for the Utah program because we'll hopefully be here. And, and uh, the only way we wouldn't be here is if we're in Columbia with our adoption, but we're hoping to be able to be here. And so as I understand it, there, uh, what we're seeking out right now, in particular in Utah, is seven families who would be eligible to be able to adopt, or I'm sorry, eligible to be able to host this summer, mm -hmm. the latter part of July. I think those children right. arrive here on the 15th or so 16th. of July mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and would stay throughout that month, the remainder of the month. And in a perfect world, we'd have these families in a fairly close proximity within, let's call it an hour of one another, because it sounds like a great opportunity to get together and have a Colombian barbecue, if you may, right. and uh, be able to have the swim party and Colombian barbecue, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so tell us more about what makes a good host family. Who, who are the good, who are those families that tend to help these children the most? So I think a good host family is a family who's interested in adoption. It's not to say um, that you're saying, I want to host this child because I want to I want to adopt this child. But it's saying, hey, we're interested in adoption and we're interested in adoption of an older child. We just don't know really what to expect. Those are usually the best families. One, because they're willing to take in the information we give them when we do our trainings to prepare for the hosting and what to expect out of the child. And then two, because they aren't going in with expectations, they're more willing to mesh with the child and bond with yep. the child where the child is. Yep. So that's really what's going to make the best host family. Do you have restrictions on age or number of children or size of home or anything that, that would potentially preclude somebody from doing it? Good question. Good question. So typically, so in the end, Columbia decides who the host families are. However, Madison is going to take some steps to make sure people in the home are safe. We're not going to bring in a 15-year-old girl or a 14-year-old boy if we know there's a newborn baby in the home. That newborn baby cannot protect themselves if something were to happen yeah. with a child who came into the home. Um, so we're going to make sure those families, everyone in the family is in the best safe situation that they can be. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. So what are the steps to be able to become eligible to be a host family? When I when I first heard about this, I thought, great, like, I'll get a bunch of people to just sign up. Do they just need to like sign a waiver and they're good to go? Or And, I, and then I realized that there's actually some steps, some process yeah. that goes in that is in, involved in this. Could you tell us more about that? Sure. So your first steps are going to be you're going to you're going to sign on for a hosting application um, through our Madison website. If you're like, oh, I want some more information about hosting, you can give me a call. Um, I would gladly talk to anybody about hosting and what that looks like and what the expectations would be. But the application is really like the first step. 
Once we approve that application, your second step is going to be to complete a home study. Your home study, if you're in Illinois, Delaware, or Pennsylvania, or I'm sorry, Illinois, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania, is going to be completed by Madison itself, ourselves. If you're in Utah, we have asked that all the home studies be completed by hand in hand. We are partnering with them um, in this hosting process. And that's really important to us because they also will provide support to you as a family if you're hosting. So that's the next step. And then the third step is we do training. There's an excessive amount of training for hosting. Um, you do 10 hours of Hague training, like on an online website. You're gonna do five hours of hosting training on an online website. Then we're gonna do eight hours of training by Zoom with our Madison staff. So we're really going to inundate you with what you need to know. One, about international adoption. Two, about hosting. And three, the Colombian culture and the child that you're bringing into your home. Wonderful. So the nice thing about the requirements that are leading up to hosting is they're actually the same requirements to be able to adopt. And Correct. so share with us if this family ultimately decides to engage, whether they're adopting the child they hosted or just simply feel in their heart that they should move forward with adoption, having gone through all of the home study and the training, how far along does that put them in the adoption process? Sure. So the home study and the training are two key components of your dossier, which is a group of documents that we send to Columbia to have you approved for adoption. So the only, I mean, there's a couple of things in there that you would have to gather, like your birth certificate, your marriage certificate, those kind of things. But you also at that point could go ahead once your home study is completed and submit for your I-800A application through immigration. So wow. you're really ahead of the ball game um, in comparison to that family who's just signing on, who's just considering adoption, even if they were to meet the child through the hosting program, just at a picnic randomly or something like that, um, you're ahead of them in yes. the adoption process and it's going to move faster for you. No question. I can say Andrea and I have been with our Colombian adoption. We've been going at this since September. And um, so we're in January right now. And it, it like we're still completing many of those steps that, uh, that Misty had just listed out. And so this really puts the family way ahead of the game to be able to adopt. And so it also puts a bit of urgency right now where we are in January with the hosting program taking place in July. We really got to get the ball going on identifying these families that are going to be part of this program this summer. Right. Exactly. We need to have our documentation turned in, especially the home studies turned into Columbia by May. That's when we're going to get them translated. That's when Columbia is going to start looking and saying, do we approve these families for hosting? Um, <laughs> it's really important to get families recruited as soon as possible. That's it. Goal number one, for sure. Yeah. So oftentimes families will say, hey, we were able to look on the, the Rod's Heroes website where we have uh, all the password protected footage and content of the children that you guys have been meeting. And we love so-and-so. Can we host so-and-so? Tell us more about a child or a family's ability to be able to have any say or select the child that they would be hosting versus, as you said before, Columbia is really the one that has the ultimate say. Right. Right. So we can ask for a child's file for hosting. Um, ICBF, 
the central authority in Colombia does have the final say about if a child can come for hosting. There's a couple of dynamics that they take into consideration. One of them is, is a child is only allowed to go on two hosting experiences. Mm -hmm. So if they've already had one, maybe it was this past December, they would say, oh, this is too soon. Um, maybe they've had one, but Madison knows the child really well, then they would say, okay, they can go with Madison. Um, so some of those things they look at. The other thing they look at, though, is they talk to the defender, the psychologist, and the social worker for the child, and they say, how's the child going to adjust to mm -hmm. all of these changes? Is this the best environment for the child in being successful in finding a family? So they're really going to take that clinical view of the child as well in determining if hosting is a good option for the child. A child who has extreme anxiety, that's not going to be a good option for them. Yeah. Um, children who have trouble just with different adjusting to different situations um, or new people, that's not going to be a good environment for them to come on hosting. Um, so they really do take that clinical eye to see if it's in the best interest of the child as well. Yeah. So all of this training, the home study, everything that transpires in preparation for this, clearly there's got to be a cost associated with that. I know that uh, Madison has been working very hard to be able to help with some potential grants that are coming that way to help offset some of those costs. But give us an idea typically on cost to get to this point to where somebody can host. So costs are there. Um, it's typically around... $4,000, $4,500. Um, by the time you complete everything that's associated with the hosting, Madison is um, has some grant funders right now who are willing to pay up to half of um, the hosting, or I'm sorry, the home study um, fee. So that will take some of that cost off. Approximately, I would say anywhere between $1,000 to $2,000 off of that cost that's is what's going to come off of there. That's a really big deal. That's a yes. big deal. Super, super exciting. So I want to, as I said in my intro, I said Misty is an expert because one, this is what she does by trade and has her professional background in, but number two, has also been blessed to be able to adopt through the hosting program. We'd love to learn more about your story. When, when we went to Columbia, the first trip, we were fortunate to be able to have Angie, your daughter, who you adopted through hosting with us. And she is amazing. It was so fun to have her with us that week. Tell us more about Angie's story and about your story in adopting her. So Angie um, is a child that Madison became familiar with in her story um, when we first started our adoption process. And we had a lot of families interested in her. Um, and each one who submitted a letter of intent was denied, um, denied either because of a dynamic with the family, denied because her team just did not feel like that was a good match for her. Um, and she was known to have a hard personality. If you were to meet Angie, she can sometimes come across as a very cold and just more hard um, towards the world. Um, and so there was always that concern that how is she going to attach? How is she going to bond? Um, what kind of issues is a family going to have with her? So as we learned more about her story, I had shared her story with my husband and he was also advocating for her. Um, and we just fell in love with her, um, not just because of her story, but because of who she is and the potential that we saw in her. And our desire was to help find her family. So I had asked, can Angie come for hosting? And was immediately told no. 
And I said, how, how can I introduce families to her? And how can we see like, if she's going to blend with them and mesh with them, like, how can we do that? And they were, and finally Columbia said, okay, but here's the guidelines for the family. And they gave us all of these guidelines from the age of the parents, the other children who could be in the home and their ages, like how many people in the home, the whole bit, and my family fit it perfect. And so my husband and I said, okay, you know, we'll host advocate, um, knowing we had to do the home study and we have to do that through another agency. I couldn't do it through Madison. Wow. I had to go find an agency. I, you know, just like all the other families do, I had to figure this out. So we hosted to advocate. Um, and we, by the time we finished our home study, it wasn't necessarily our intent to adopt her. Um, but before she came for hosting, we knew, we knew in our hearts that we wanted to adopt her if she wanted to be adopted. Cause that was the other thing. When you have a teenage child, like they need to have a say in that and what yeah. they want. So Angie was allowed to have a say. Um, and during hosting, everything went smooth. We did not have any issues at all. And I learned up front, like there again, that's where you learn about the child. And, and my husband learned about the child and my kids, cause my, other children, I have three children who are adults. So one was still in high school and the other two were in college at the time. And even my son from California who was in college came home to be there with Angie because he knew that our heart was to adopt. And he was like, if we're going to adopt, I'm going to be a brother. Like yeah. she's going to know me. Um, and so we all learned pretty quickly that you had to be very direct with her, but not direct in the sense that she felt like she was being threatened. So yeah. For example, if an issue came up and I saw her go out and walk the dog, I would just follow behind her until she would acknowledge me. And then I would say, Angie, I will never lie to you. And we would just sort of leave it there. Like, yeah. you know, let her sort of figure out what that means. Yeah. Um, there again, she did not speak English. Two of my kids spoke Spanish, um, but sometimes that was done through Google Translate. And so, you know, but we just learned really quick how to figure her out without it becoming a conflict. And so um, she had a choice and during hosting, everything was good. It was about a month after she went home that she decided she did not wanna be adopted. And of wow. course we're already in the process and we're saying wow. we wanna adopt her. Wow. And I finally said, you know what? If Angie doesn't wanna be adopted, we won't adopt But I want her to know I love her and I want her to know she always has parents. Wow. Like that's what I wanted. And, um, you know, she did some counseling, she did some other things and nobody really thought anything was changing. And then just one day, it was like the end of November. So it had been about a month, month and a half that she had said, I don't wanna be adopted um, because she had left here in August. Um, and she said, my family's coming to get me on December 15th. Now, mind you, we had already gone through the entire process, submitting our I-800A, yes. submitting our letter of intent, everything was done. It was literally up to Angie. And um, she just said, my family's coming to get me December 15th. And her psychologist was like, uh, which family? Because she still <laughs> had her biological family that she remembered in Columbia. And she said, my Lucas family. And we were able to go get her on January 9th. Wow. What an incredible story. And it, as is the case oftentimes with um, adoption stories, it's not always just cut and dry, point A, point B, point C. There's often twists and turns and different sidetracks and things that you experience, a lot of emotional roller coasters. I can only imagine what you were feeling during that time. 
but um, what a special thing for you to get to a place where you said, Angie, no matter what, you have a family here. And it sounds like that was really the turning point for her when that pressure was relieved and ultimately she knew it was her choice. Right, right. And it's funny because now we'll ask, like, why did you say you didn't want to be adopted? And she doesn't want to talk about it. Like, you know, and we know her well enough to know, like, don't push that. Some point yeah. when she wants to talk about it, she will. Um, and I honestly think a lot of it had to do with being 12 years old, yeah. the fear of going and giving up what I've always known. Yep. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's been important um, for me to always make sure she knew, like, we will take you back. It's not that we expect you to stay in our home forever. It's yeah. not that we expect you to even stay in the United States if you don't want to stay in the United States. Yeah. We just want you to know you have a family. Yeah. Like that really is what it is about. And I think that, you know, through that hosting, it allowed us to learn that with her. It allowed us to see like, it didn't do any good for us to push our wants and desires on her, but rather to acknowledge who she was and love her for who she is. Yeah. And then in response, then she was able to accept what we had as a family. Yeah, that's a perfect example where I, I have to imagine the likelihood of Angie being adopted without the hosting program was almost next to nothing as far as the yeah. odds of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think, I think for a child like her, the excitement would be there to go with a family, but during that pro bonding process that Columbia requires you to have, the fear would set in. Yeah. And so for her, she was able to experience that fear and safety and then still be loved. Yep. And not have to have the pressure of, I have to decide today, but rather had her time to have an input in it and make her decision. That's wonderful. What a wonderful, wonderful story. A great example of why we're so passionate about this hosting program that we're doing. In the show notes, we're going to include all the links to Madison's adoption uh, site, as well as information on the hosting program for those that are interested please, please, please feel free to reach out to myself, reach out to Misty. We're happy to answer the questions and be able to see if we can't get all these kids that we met this last summer and fall uh, amazing home here in the United States. And so Misty, thank you for joining us on this podcast today. We appreciate everything that you're doing on behalf of the kids and on behalf of Rod's Heroes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.